Welcome to Ohio Roots, the official podcast of the Ohio Genealogical Society. Join us as we embark on a captivating journey through Ohio's rich genealogy, history, and abundant resources. Hosted by me, OGS Executive Director Noel Poirier, this podcast brings you insightful conversations with a diverse array of guests, from OGS members, chapter leaders, and staff, to renowned genealogists, historians, and influential figures within the genealogical community. Each episode delves into fascinating topics and captivating stories. So grab your headphones, hit that play button, and join us on this enthralling journey of Ohio's roots. We're very excited to present to you today's guest on the Ohio Roots podcast because she is someone who is going to be familiar to anybody who's attended a genealogy conference in the last 40 years or so. Today's guest is is Peggy Clemens Lauritsen. Peggy serves as a family history director and is a frequent conference speaker. She's the author of several legacy quick guides on Appalachia. She is also an instructor at Ancestry Academy, Family Tree University, and a columnist for Reminisce Magazine. Peggy was recently named a fellow of the Ohio Genealogical Society. So we're very, very excited to have a nice conversation with Peggy about genealogy, about her own experiences with genealogy. And I think you will really enjoy this conversation. Hi, Peggy. How are you doing today? It's so nice to have you on the OGS Ohio Roots podcast. I am absolutely wonderful today. It's a good day. It is. Thank thank you so much for for being a part of this. We really appreciate it. Um, One of the things we've been trying to do when we speak to folks who are into genealogy or do genealogy or family history is figure out what was it that gave them that spark? I mean, we all have our own kind of stories about a family member or an object or something that kind of initiated our interest in genealogy. And because you're so well known in the genealogical community, um, I would love to know what that's, what, what your spark was. I think my spark was the fact that my parents were great genealogists and they did the best that they could the old fashioned way where you had to write letters and travel. And I grew up as an only child. My three sisters were grown by the time I was born. So I went and I listened to my mom and my dad talk to their parents and older relatives that were born in the 1880s. And I thought that is just so cool to to be able to connect with people who lived through a lot of the history that I was studying about in school. That's interesting. You know, it's one of the things I've one of the things I've enjoyed. I spoke with Sonny Morton uh, once already. Um, and speaking with you is one of the things I admire about your presentations when I get to see you is your your storytelling ability. <laughs> um, and and to tell really good stories, you know, is is part of that. And I get I get a sense that you being able to put yourself or put your ancestors in context with these historical events was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And it still is, because I think when we think of genealogy, we focus so much on getting the correct dates mm-hmm. and places with the birth, marriage, and death dates and right. and everything. But we have to remember that these ancestors of ours, they were once little boys and little mm-hmm. girls. And they they played and they fought <laughs> and they climbed trees. And then they dated and they courted and they married. And when you study what was going on in their lives, plus what was going on in their county or their state and in the country and in the world, then they become more real. yeah. And that way you can make a connection with them. One of the things my husband and I would do is we both love history and we would take our four children on lots of trips and we would go to American historical sites 
and we would go to LDS church history sites. And while we were having a picnic there, he would tell them what happened there. Like if we were at Valley Forge or Niagara Falls with the battle uh, with the War of 1812 mm-hmm. in Niagara um, or Gettysburg or any of those places. And then I would tell them their ancestors that actually were there, right. that were fighting in that place or who had died there or any, any of the events like oh. that. So when they studied it in school, it did connect because their eyes went up and it's like, yeah, I, I've been there. I have some of my people were there. So right. was it when you first started doing genealogy, was there a particular story that you uncovered that you were really um, particularly attached to or, or, or really were proud of having to, to learn? Well, I just was so amazed that I had people that fought in the Civil War because the Civil War time period is I have a great interest in that. I, I love studying about that. And then to hear that my mom said that one of her grandfathers came to live with them for a while and that he was in the Civil War. And I'm like, she actually talked with somebody who was in that war and touched them and sat on their lap and everything. As I moved further back in history, then my favorite time period became the Revolutionary War. You've obviously done genealogy. You're going on your 40th year, I think you, you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, amazing. I have been speaking for 40 okay. years. <laughs> so. But you've been doing genealogy longer than that. Yeah, I have. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for you, what do you find the most appealing part of doing genealogy, of doing family history? What, what is the best part of doing it? I think it's putting the puzzle pieces together. Okay. You know, I, there, I, I worked on one case one time where a woman was waiting for her husband to come home from the Civil War, and he never came. And what he did is he went in another direction and met a woman who was also waiting for her husband hmm. to come home from the Civil War. So she assumed that he had died. Right. So they married. And the original woman back home who was waiting, she thought her husband died. So she met a man who was coming home from the Civil War. All of these men did not go home. They right. went in different directions. And I thought, what would cause that? Was was it PTSD of some type? Or, you know, what was going on in their lives that they ended, ended up marrying other people while they were still married and just did not go home? Yeah, I, I find it, you know, when I'm doing my own research is the, the questions, the unknowables. Um, are kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. You can know the facts as you see them in documents and newspaper articles and things like mm-hmm. that. And you can kind of, if you're lucky enough to have a really, really meaty pension application, you can even get some of their personalities out of it sometimes. Yeah, you but, can. But, but knowing there are still those unknowables about people's lives, and I guess that's true today. Um, yeah. and, and it makes it more interesting. I think it keeps you going sometimes, at least it does for me. That's true about the pension files because one of the grandfathers I received the Civil War pension file from, they had to call in character references. (laughs) Every single one of the character references said, yeah, he's a lazy man and a no account. And, you know, I'm like, (laughs) was he known for anything good? (laughs) Uh, No, he wasn't. (laughs) And I think that's what's fun about, you know, for me, when I talk to folks who are either just getting started or or don't even know if they have an interest in doing it yeah. is, is letting them know that the, there's more in those documents than just birth dates and marriages and deaths. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if you really want to know your ancestors, you can really, you can really do some digging. You have you, can. have you found in doing genealogy because those of us who do a lot of research, there, there are aspects of it we love. 
but there are also aspects of it we find tiresome um, or mundane yeah. or 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 just downright unpleasant. Um, do you have yeah. any of, is there something when you're, when you're doing research, is there, are there things that you say to yourself, oh, I have to do that now? You know, there really are, because sometimes you're looking, particularly at women that just lived common, ordinary right. lives, that all they did was raise a garden, raise the kids, and never really were anything more than that. Mm -hmm. And, and their lives are not exciting, but yet that's what they did. And they continued to do it, having baby after baby and everything. And I thought, well, there's not much there. Yeah. But if I find one that has gotten in trouble, well, there's going to be a lot there, you know, so. <laughs> of course. And, and there has been. <laughs> but sometimes just those ancestors that just really didn't do much. They're not famous or, yeah. or anything. They were just common, ordinary people. And, and yeah, and sometimes it's hard, you know, because we all, no one wants to think of themselves as ordinary. But mm -hmm. but the reality, when you think like when I think about uh, you know what would a future genealogist write about my life being, would it be interesting or would it just be uh, born, married, and died? <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, yeah, and, you and know, I wonder about that sometimes. You know, that's interesting because I was just giving a presentation a few days ago, and I I challenged people to be a good ancestor mm -hmm. and write your story so people don't have to go digging to find right. you because to to be perfectly honest. I don't want my kids writing my story. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I I want my ancestor, I want my my posterity to know the things that brought me joy mm. and the things that brought me anger mm. and the type of world that I lived in, what I thought about and what I appreciated and, and everything. I don't want that to come through somebody else's eyes. I want sure. that to come through mine. Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that. When the, the, the spark that got me into genealogy was actually a ledger book that my grandmother gave me. And it was a book of poetry by my great, great, great grandfather. And, mm. and through his poems, he was writing poems about everyday life. And so reading his poems, I met his neighbors. I knew about his church habits. I knew about who his friends were. And so he, in many ways, did exactly what you said. He he mm. wrote his own history, or at least he a portion did. of it for me. He and did. I, and I certainly see what you're saying. It, it'd be nice if, uh, yeah, I don't think I want my son or daughter writing my history either. I think oh, that heavens, no, no. My my four kids, I I I don't know what they would write. But I'd have <laughs> sure, to come back. I'm sure it would be nice. Um, <laughs> well, I'd have to come back and haunt them. Okay, I'm well, sure. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll all have to do that at some point. I think. Yeah. Um, one of the things, one of the challenges for me and for anybody doing genealogy, obviously, whether you're a novice or, or someone really experienced like you, is running into that ancestor or that or that individual that you just cannot figure out anything about. Mm -hmm. That you know, the proverbial brick wall kind of ancestor. Mm -hmm. Do you have a particularly good brick wall story? Did you have you ever had a really problematic brick wall? You know, I have, and most of them involve those that were coming in from German speaking countries mm -hmm. into the port of Philadelphia. This would have been the mid 1700s. And I just can't seem to make the connection from which German speaking country that they came from. There, mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been right. Germany at the right. time. So, but there was a lot of different countries that did speak German and I've got them in the Philadelphia area in Germantown, those areas, but getting them beyond that, I just, I, I can't get my family out of Virginia. <laughs> or Pennsylvania. I I really can't. They've been here since, you know, 50 years before the Revolutionary War. I, yeah. I can't do it. They're just, they're stuck. And some of them are hiding. 
because <laughs> because of their life right sure and what they did and moonshining and, yeah. and everything yeah they're they're not easy to find the ohio roots podcast is brought to you by the ohio genealogical society the premier gateway for discovering your ohio family history to learn more about joining visit www.ogs.org What advice do you give to somebody when, when they hit a brick wall? Take a break. Just yeah. take a break and just focus on another family for a while. Mm-hmm. And then maybe thoughts will come back and you look at it through fresh eyes. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a, a particular interest? I mean, we, we talk obviously a lot about Ohio um, and because for obvious reasons. So what, what, is, what is your Ohio connection? My only Ohio connection is that I have two squatters that lived here <laughs> <laughs> before they, um, before Ohio became a state, they were mm-hmm. squatting in the lands that, um, that they didn't want squatters in because okay. at the time they were afraid that if the squatters kept coming, this Northwest territory, uh, people would start to form their own country here. Mm. And two of mine were here. That's my only connection to Ohio. And then they go south of the Ohio River again. That's where all my family is from. But I, I look at those two squatters. And when they were ordered out of the Ohio country here, mm-hmm. they could have gotten angry and fought and, and everything. But they were ordered out by a Colonel Harmar. And this is mentioned in the book by David McCullough, The mm-hmm. Pioneers. And the squatters, the actual letter says, can you give us a little bit more time? We don't have money and we don't have houses we will go, but can you just give us a little bit more time? And I thought, good for them. Yeah. You know, they they knew they weren't supposed to be there and they were willing to go, but c- can you just wait a little bit for us to get ready? Where did they end up? They ended up in Fleming County, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, I have, mm-hmm. I have some ancestors from Kentucky, um, uh, mostly from, but mostly uh, just across the river from Cincinnati. Uh-huh. Those, those are all my Kentucky. And they were they would go back and forth, of course. So one mm-hmm. census, they're in Kentucky, and the next, they're in Ohio, and the next, they're in Kentucky again. So they kept going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. When I, I know you, you speak to a lot of groups, and when you talk to someone who's just getting started in genealogy or thinks they want to get started in genealogy or family history, um, what's the best bit of advice you could give them? Well, I think the best thing is to talk to those that are still alive, because when they're gone, whatever knowledge, whatever stories that they have, whatever recipes they have goes with mm-hmm. them. And so I, I encourage that. And then I, I often tell people that ask me, like, if I go to a conference, Peggy, what, what kind of classes do you go to? Mm-hmm. I said, I go to beginner classes because all of us become a beginner again when we find a grandmother, uh, all of a sudden, we have discovered her maiden name. Right. We're beginning again. Or if we find out that our ancestor was in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, and we've never researched there, we begin again. So I take beginner classes wherever I go just to get me into the mode of what it's like to research in that area, at putting in the same type of research skills and maybe better ones than I did when I first started. Mm-hmm. So I say, talk to the older people before something happens. They don't necessarily have to die. Um, in the family search center here in Mansfield, we had a couple came in and they were going to interview an aunt in Southern Ohio. They came back and I said, how did it go? And they said, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, oh, don't tell me she passed away. And they said, no, she had a stroke and she lived 14 more years but was not able to talk or anything so 
Do you have, you know, in your own experience with, with, with speaking with, with your older relatives, um, do you ever have a challenge with an older relative who just quite frankly thinks their life is, was so uninteresting that they're not, yeah. they don't have anything to tell you? I, yeah, all the time. I have now become the older <laughs> relative. <laughs> my sisters and I, um, they're in their 80s and I'm it's still in my 60s. But when the older relatives were alive, they just like, well, I don't think anybody would ever be interested in, in my life. And yet I talked to them about my aunt who could barely see and saw a black snake like a quarter of a yard away from her, uh, like, well, like a quarter of an acre away mm-hmm. from her. She saw a black snake that was crawling out along the limb of a of a tree at dusk, and she can hardly see, and she shot it. She shot the <laughs> snake. And I'm like, how did you do that? <laughs> you know, and, you know, that she just says, well, that kind of stuff we, we just do. And mm-hmm. I am just amazed at some of the hardships that they had, even, even my own mom, you know, I said, mom, how you were married in 1932 at the end of the depression. How did you make it? She says, honey, we were so poor. We didn't even know there was a depression. It was just everyday life for us. (laughs) It's interesting because, you know, when we think about, you know, our, one of the things I love, I should back up. One of the things I love is that the Ohio genealogical society, we have something called the Ohio photograph collection. And one of the things I do almost every day that I'm there is I'll pull out a photograph from that collection and just stare at it for a while. And when the photograph was taken, I'm sure it was just a run of the mill. Today, I'm taking a picture of mm-hmm. auntie whoever uh, sitting on her porch and it didn't mean anything. But but you and I would look at that picture and we want to know everything <laughs> about her. And, and I find that photographs are a wonderful way to kind of connect with people. And I know that they I know they've been using it for for helping people who have dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's and things like that with using yeah. photograph therapy. Um, so yeah, sitting down with older relatives and just looking at photographs, I imagine would be a wonderful start for a new, yeah. for a new person. It was for my grandmother. She was sitting on the porch and I, I was looking at this picture and I said, what are these things that are hanging down? She says, honey, those are leather britches. And I said, what? <laughs> and what they would do to preserve green beans is they would take a needle and thread and sew them together and hang them up to dry. Okay. So they were getting ready to get, take them up to the attic or wherever they were going to dry them. But there was all these beans hanging, just just hanging. And I thought, I, I don't know what that is. Well, those are leather bridges. Hmm. That's wild. You know, just you know, triggering. You, you mentioned your advice for beginners was keep learning. Is that a tip you would give to an advanced? I mean, I guess you'd give that to anybody, wouldn't you? A, a tip you'd recommend for anybody is, to, is just to keep learning. I know I... I you know, attending OGS conferences and and fall retreats and things like that is an ongoing learning process, but, mm-hmm. and, and also webinars and all the workshops that get done here and there is, would you say that just continuing to just constantly kind of learn more information is, is one of the best tips for a genealogist? You know, I do, because my father-in-law gave that advice to all of his children. Okay. He said, always keep your mind active and learning and in that learning mode. And then my husband, uh, one of his church leaders told him that when you're green, you're still growing, but mm. when you're ripe, you're almost rotten. So <laughs> you, you want to stay green so that you are keeping up with the advances That's in technology great. and everything like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing to stay on top of what's going on and keep up with it because mm. it's becoming easier and records are available like never before. You, you mentioned technology and I think that's, a, I, I, and it's kind of off what I've asked you to talk about, but um, what do you, what's your perception of the, the role that technology has played in genealogy in the last, say, five or 10 years? I think that it is an absolute 
blessing for us to be able to sit at home during a pandemic and still not have to stop our research. Now, personally, I prefer to go in person to the libraries and the archives. I, I was just in one a few days ago and I walked into their genealogy section and their archive section and it just felt good and it smelled just like a library. And I'm like, you, you know, let just turn me loose. I just <laughs> I want to look at everything because in, in many cases, like in the archives and library and archives in Kentucky, they brought down a banker's box from the attic and they said, go ahead and look. It's, you know, for each county. And the first thing that I put my hand on was a court case that my one of my grandfathers was involved in. I was touching papers that he touched, you know, and running That's my right. hand over ink that he had signed his name. And you could see him through his signatures get older and older. And this is now online. I mean, you can see it online, but there's nothing like yeah. touching what he touched. Yeah, that's one. I mean, I'm I'm biased. I work at a library and archive, yeah. <laughs> so so I think everybody should visit libraries and archives as much as they possibly mm -hmm. can. Um, so I, I know you do a lot of presentations, and I imagine you'll be presenting at 2024 at the OGS conference. I don't, I, I don't imagine. Know. Um, <laughs> but what, so what's coming up for you in the next few months? Well, I'm taking a break for the rest of the summer. Oh, uh, last year, nice. I did. I did 188 webinars and in-person wow. events last year. Wow. And I told my husband, I said, I feel like I have a, a corn on my tongue. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I my tongue hurts. Yes. So I have not scheduled as many for this year. Okay. And so I just gave the last one last night, actually. Wow. Okay. And so I'm taking a little bit of a break here for the next few months. And then it fires up again um, with some webinars and some in-person ones. I, okay. I'll be going to uh, Mission Viejo. California wow. to speak in person to them as well. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for taking time from your vacation to speak <laughs> to me today. Um, if you, if anybody ever gets a chance to see Miss Peggy speak, oh wait, before I go in for everybody who's ever mentioned you to me has always called you Miss Peggy. <laughs> Where does that come from? Before I, we go, I don't have a clue. Okay. <laughs> I, I know when I go, when I visit relatives in the South, that's what they would call me. And, okay. and it wasn't Miss Peggy, it's Miss Peggy. And okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. You know? <laughs> and then I don't know how it got started up here in Ohio. And <laughs> even at the bank, they'll say, well, thank you, Miss Peggy. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> everybody calls me that. And I'm like, people that would not know that that's what I'm known as right. in the genealogy world, they, everywhere I go, they call me that. <laughs> All right, well, you must have a Miss Peggy face then. I guess I do. I don't I don't well, know. <laughs> well, Miss Miss Peggy, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. This has been a joy. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It's always fun to have a conversation with Peggy, whether it's uh, on a podcast like this or just over coffee uh, at an OGS conference somewhere. She brings a certain insight and a wonderful storytelling ability to her genealogy that I really think uh, many of us can, can learn a great deal from. So thank you for to Peggy for joining us today and thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on the Ohio Roots podcast. The Ohio Roots podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. Hosted by OGS Executive Director Noel Poyer and edited by Luke Poyer. Theme song is Beautiful Ohio, recorded by Bob Stanley and his orchestra in 1944. 
To learn more about joining the Ohio Genealogical Society, visit www.ogs.org.